revolution has to have humor to it. The vegan shitless are great. Fucking welcome. We were talking last night about this is what I wanted to talk about on the podcast today. Oh, also, hi people. We for the first time ever are doing a vegan chitlin circuit with all the homies in the same room. This has never happened before. Yeah, momentous occasion. Stephen Marcus Relaford has come to visit us all the way from from Los Angeles. Yep, yep, yep. Had to come down and record this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we were talking with the homies when we were at the uh, the comedy club, and who was it? Was it Niles that mentioned it? The uh, the segregation. Oh yeah. Because yeah, before yeah. we were talking about the upside of racism, of racism, right? And that he wasn't even part of that conversation, right. but he was talking about folks were talking about the upside of segregation for the black community, and how whether or not it's a net positive or net negative is, I guess, up for for debate in some ways. But at least when we were segregated, we had so many more black doctors, black dentists, black lawyers, like because we had to be self-sufficient. Right. And what it was reminding me of is right after <clears throat> slavery, I don't know if this was during Reconstruction or not, but like they had, they had black jockeys, like horse jockeys. And apparently we won like, I don't know, 10 out of 15 of the, the big jockey events. And then they were like, all right, fuck this, we're segregating this. You guys you guys can't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. Can't have niggas on horses like that. That's when mm-hmm. the, the slur uh, lawn jockey started. So they started making... Of course you know this. Of course you figures. fucking... <laughs> of course this is not new to you, and you also know <laughs> the etymology of, of the slurs. Yeah, actually, I'm working on a... <laughs> Inspired by Grace, a cakewalk bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, there's something there. There's some material. Absolutely. I, I think that's the most uh, inventive and creative we see white folks is when it comes to being uh, hateful. <laughs> uh, they really getting their bag. For real. The way they, the, the type of torture they invent, the it's just fucked. But the slurs is really where they shine. Like, that is amazing. I've never seen people so inventive with slurs against themselves but especially towards black people oh they've had so much time to work on them think yeah. about it we and was the in the Polish. field they had time mm-hmm. to be creative and come up with all these you know it's, it's like being a comic it doesn't matter how many times to- how good your joke is once you tell it a hundred times you're like i gotta come up with a new one i don't care that people are laughing that's working i need a new slur yeah, and they just kept hitting. Oh, they had so many slurs. The fuck, Moon Cricket is still my favorite. Moon Cricket's the best one. <laughs> Moon Cricket is by far my favorite. It's There's the funniest. Lawn one. Jockey. They made uh, Lawn Jockey figurines, uh-huh. but they gave them like a Sambo type face. Oh, shit. So right. people uh, throughout the South would have these Lawn Put Jockey. Put the watermelon face on the Absolutely. jockey. Even though we were celebrating, hey, black people get to ride horses and are very good at mm-hmm. it, they were like, nah, fuck y'all. And so if you still ride through uh, certain parts of the South, you'll see those shits. That'd be the cool part about it is like, those figurines were kind of done just through malicious, you know, racism and mistreatment. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? Because the first, like, national black jockey went to the white uh, award like manufacturer they're the only ones that uh-huh. made trophies and figurines in town <laughs> like, oh we need some trophies and figurines to give out for our award or ceremony well, like, I got a job for you sir they was in the back like yeah we gonna make these niggas alright <laughs> yeah it's good niggas on horseback you said <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's what you need okay I got you I can figure something out <laughs> 
Maybe. And we'll, and we'll, we'll back and was like, we need niggas to make figure eights now. We need to make our own figure eights. <laughs> Where do we work? What's, what's the etymology for, uh, I don't even know if that's the right term, it for, for uh, moon cricket? Ah, so moon cricket is uh, <laughs> so fun. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, black folks who were enslaved, they would sing Negro spirituals to the moon, like follow the drinking gourd or oh, wait in the water. So oh, yeah, to like so help folks who were escaping know what to do as they were escaping. So, you know, if you wait in the water, the dogs can't smell you, uh-huh. shit like that. So, because all white folks in the big house would hear is just black people singing to the moon. Kind of like how crickets do, because crickets come out at night and make a bunch of noise. <laughs> so that's why they started calling black people moon crickets. Oh, shit. Yeah. And the whole time, it wasn't even really a veiled message. <laughs> no. It's not at all. It's just, it was like, just like, stop that fucking racket. Like, that's. Yeah, this wasn't no get out, we dip in Fruit Loops no. in the white milk. It was like, wait. In the water. <laughs> you know, there were some slow black people too who, like, didn't get it. And the oh, person just kept getting closer, like, wait in the water. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to escape. Wait in, in the water. The children. <laughs> That one, follow the drinking gourd. Um, What's follow the drinking gourd? I never heard uh, of Follow the drinking gourd. That one was um, about following the Big Dipper. Big the, yeah, yeah, the North Star. Oh. If you follow that one, you'll go north. You'll never lose your way. Follow the drinking gourd. Oh. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of a gourd as a... Yeah, it's it like, like a, a like a you dip mm-hmm. and then you drink water out of it. Oh, I yeah. see. Supposed yeah. to look like that type of shape. Yes. You, you got a, You got a favorite slur? Um. Mm, I, you know what? There's this new one that came about. Oh. We got new slur. shit. New slur. Oh, well, I know we got shit. new shit. Well, I'm trying to remember what it was. Hell yeah! Let's take that shit too. <laughs> hey, I like that slur, white man. <laughs> I'm gonna need that. <laughs> so inventive. Um, yeah, we might have to come back to it, but it was something about white. It was a perfect slur for white people. Um, it was like pale something. Pale faces. Not pale faces. Damn. Uh, man. Oh, like I like melanin challenge. <laughs> melanin challenge. Melanated challenge. Yeah. Melanated yep. challenge. Mm-hmm. The colorless. I heard someone say that before. I did hear snow roach. Mm. Whoa! I don't know. That feels it hateful. Felt, it felt vitriolic. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, oh, I don't know if I'm there Snow right now. Ah, yeah. Snow Eight. Oh man, yeah. Oh, that's those. Those both feel like that. Yeah, that feels hateful. Yeah, that's too much hate. I don't know if I have that in my heart for real. Yeah, cracker is like enough hate for me. I just realized, like I said, both those things in my heart was like, bro, that's mean. So that's that's how for you, me it don't the, hold the same. See? It don't hold the same, but it's like white people have so much, there's so much power behind their slurs, cause their slurs is evident of power. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Our slurs don't have that much weight behind. It's like them throwing rocks at Goliath, you know. I don't mean know. It's like you eat the bear and the tiger and all that other shit first. Oh, you gotta level up. But it's like you know how to say like you got hate in your heart, like it 
it hurts you yeah. more than it hurts. It's like the what is that? There's some kind of like poem or something about uh, the poison that we drink. Like holding a grudge is uh, drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's what it feels like. Like I felt like I was drinking poison when I said Snow Road. I must be immune because this shit. <laughs> poisonous to me. I'm like I can say that all day. Snow Road, Snow Ape, yeah, that roll off the tongue. Shit. That don't feel like no type of harm is being done. The spirit of Dick Gregory. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, don't y'all like? I'm asking white people who engage in like these slurs. Don't y'all niggas feel fucking terrible? Cause I felt nasty saying. I did. I didn't even expect to feel nasty. You said it. I was like, oh, that's a fun one. And then I said, it, I was like, uh, you know, like ugh, I don't want to be there, but it, you know, life, life is what it is. Mm. I think that's on point. Tell me. We watched the Boondocks yesterday. Riley got fucking. Bars. Wait, no. Sorry, not Riley. Huey? Huey. Huey has the bars. It was Riley for me. Because really? Riley is ignorant, and I don't think that way, so it was always, like, cool. Oh, he was ignorant, but, like, his logic was always tight. Because he, he would get you there. He'd show mm-hmm. you how he got there. Like the R. Kelly episode? Remember the R, the Riley logic on that shit? Well, he said that, that, that nigga's gay. Like, it, <laughs> you, you considered whether that nigga was in fact. Okay. It's the proof for conviction. Because for me, because like R. Kelly's like back in the news now. Mm-hmm. And he was like, <laughs> free R. Kelly's like, he peed on a minor. It's like, how old? It was like the Dave Chappelle, how old is 13, really? Mm-hmm. It's like, if you pee at me, I'm getting out the way. I'm getting out Sound the me way. Like she wanted to get peed on. <laughs> My favorite part of that episode was, of course, the dancing. Because <laughs> as soon as he started singing, niggas was just like, well. Right. Right. <laughs> he made good points. He made good points. I'm sure people have pointed this out, but isn't it wild? Like, the same way that Chris D'Elia played a pedophile, man, in a show, that shit is so Like strange. a couple months before the accusations came out. Is, and for those of you who don't know, Chris D'Elia is a stand-up comedian who... What, what was successful this? right now. Oh, is he yeah. back on? Of course. Oh, okay. Course. So he was a yes. super successful stand-up comedian. Then a whole bunch of information came out about him grooming women that were, I don't know, ages. Girls. Gir- oh, right. Girls that were uh, like 15-ish? I, I don't know. 14, Yeah, 15. and up and even like just having like hella predatory type of engagement mm-hmm. and quasi-alleged essay type of behavior with just various women. Some in the comedy mm-hmm. scene, some fans, mm-hmm. some just like random ass. Some sex workers because he knew he could get away with that type of shit. So he right. was out the game for, I don't know, a year or two, however long, laid low, I he suppose. Was a, he was out for the pandemic, which basically everybody, everybody was, was out. out for the pandemic. You know, and it was so naive for the people I know at least like the, what I was hearing the rummage was like the rumblings were like oh well Chris Delia is out so that means there's more space for everybody else because that's and, one person <laughs> yeah there was no space and no lanes opened up like his lane was still there and he was able to get right back on he's at the improv pretty much every weekend Life Factory mm. 2 huh Life Factory 2 mm-hmm. <clears throat> but at any rate the point is I feel like weird niggas can't help but out themselves. Because R. Kelly, the whole oh, yeah. time... You get, you, the whole time... Wow, you're just like... His moniker was the Pied Piper of R&B. Yeah. And the Pied Piper was known for right. one thing. Well, I guess two things. One, 
having the best music of all time. <laughs> the best music of all time, no one could deny. And two, using the best music of all time to lure children away from their homes. What did the Pied Piper do once he, he got like you a under his man though? What, or like, what did he just? Wasn't he trying to just? Broker a horrible deal or some shit. The Pie Piper? Yeah. I actually don't know what his goal is. Huh? You want the story? This oh, is yeah. why y'all keep me around. It's for. I'm right seeing, I'm recognizing that now. I'm like, hold on, what's the etymology <laughs> on the Pie Piper? <laughs> so, it's apparently based on a true story. Um, in Germany, Bavaria at the time, uh, they had rat problem because it, we're talking bubonic plague like era, uh-huh. you know? And so they had hella rats. <laughs> Steven is smoking that loud, everybody. Get some water. Get some water in those lungs. Yeah. The thing about weed is that it's vegan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, natural. Uh, So they had a rat problem. Rats were overrunning the city, biting people, biting children, and they needed to get rid of them. So this dude comes into the town, and he says, I can get rid of the rats for you. So... They were like, all right, if you can, go ahead. So he had his his flute. He played the flute, marched them. And the thing was, it was a magical flute that uh, if if you heard the music, you fell under the spell, and you walked out. So he played a, a flute. Rats just followed him. He led them into the river and they drowned. Right? So he came back and he Way said... in the water. <laughs> so he said, hey, time to pay me. And they were like, yeah, we're not paying you. You didn't really do nothing. And he was like, what do you mean? The record label screwed him. We said, fuck, you know, uh, rule, what is it, 680 record record label niggas is shady. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> after that, he was like, I'm going to, if you don't pay me, I'll take the thing that's dearest to you. And they were like, you can't, you can't even try. So he hit the flute and all the children started dancing towards him. And he just walks them into the mountains. A door supposedly opens. All the kids get in there and close. It's there's a euphemism there for the kids being taken away for very nefarious reasons. Um, but yeah, it's based on a true story. The there was actually a village that like recorded losing all of their kids because a strange man came to town. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, the, the, you know, R. Kelly, Bavaria, Chicago. That's how we go. <laughs> tomato, tomato, Bavaria, <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> That's how we got here. You know? It's going to be the name of the I episode. kill that fucking trivia. Let me tell you that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're who I thought I was in trivia. Uh-huh. Because, like, when I did trivia, I was like, I get good grades. I got that. I was useless. I, ju- I know useless information until it's useful. Done. Yeah, and then I'm like, don't I know about fucking Bavaria? What were we supposed to talk about? There's something someone told you they enjoyed and wanted us to. Oh yeah, that was that was 100% the upside to racism. Ah. Yeah. Oh, and it was specifically. Hmm. I guess if we're gonna, if I'm gonna be reductive about it, the upside to racism, at least in America, is it helped us to jump the line as a country. Yes. Right, because free labor for so long, all of a sudden we went from last place to first place in terms of power, influence, military, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and, and the money that we got that helped us to build all those things. And then once we got to that level, now we hold a certain privilege in the global community, mm-hmm. being American, and that privilege is predicated on 
where we stacked wealth from through capitalism, imperialism, yep. what have you, um, military interventions, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that was the beginning of the conversation, and then we were trying to figure out how you reconcile that. But what was more interesting was what we think a, the world would look like if the powers that be weren't, didn't gain power by building it off the backs of the oppressed. Then they wouldn't be able to. That's interesting. So I want you to know, this entire conversation has been black sci-fi. Like, that's what we're doing. We're, we're world building. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out what would life look like without this whole, like, this is Afro-pessimism, but this is very much what black sci-fi writers try to do mm-hmm. um, when they're imagining a whole new world where maybe white people don't exist or mm-hmm. colonialism didn't exist or it's black people in space or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's why I like sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Because it's somebody helping you dream. Because, mm-hmm. like... Even when niggas were saying, like, defund the police, uh-huh. that is that is science fiction. That is a whole uh-huh. new world you are asking to be built. Mm. Whole new world. Because you're asking that everything that tethers, like, the American project from um, the prison industrial complex, um, the police industrial complex, the military industrial complex, you are saying that you want to be completely untethered from those things and you want to rebuild America in a completely different image. That is science fiction. Mm-hmm. That is a fantasy. That is a new world that must be like built. We must raise something to the ground and try to start over because it's so linked to the American fabric of shit. Like I was reading this one thing about how um, the U.S. military is the number one polluter oh, in the world. We got those burn pits and whatnot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so. Which is to say, to make a very bold statement, if there was no U.S. military right now or like stopped operations, we could save the Earth. And that's the other thing. That's like where the duality of it comes in. There's obvious benefit in severely reducing or completely eliminating something like the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people in this country that... Like think we we should not have the military that we do and that we spend too much money mm-hmm. on all that kind of stuff. And there's validity to that, but then you have to say, if you could have your your perfect outcome, which would be mm-hmm. no more US military, mm-hmm. are you ready to get rocked to shit by everyone and their mother that we fucked over but that's for the I'm centuries? This that's is a, why like, this are is you ready? Yeah, like are you ready for that retribution? No, you're fucking not. And that's like where the American privilege comes in. Like it's very easy to cry foul when you're already benefiting and saying, I don't think this is right. I don't think that we should be in these other countries and I don't think we should be intervening with these re- regimes. And mm-hmm. I think it, it's wrong. And it's like, okay, that's cool. But if it went away tomorrow, are you ready for the life that we would live and endure? So I actually don't, I, I don't know. I'm an optimist, forever an optimist. Um, I think that if the American people one day got up and were like, yeah, we're, we're taking our country back. We don't like how it looks right now. We don't like the fact that the most well-paid in this country are private military contractors like Lockheed and shit. And they were just like, nah, we're taking the country back. We're moving it in a different direction. I don't know that like that other countries would be mad at that. Like, I don't know that the folks in Palestine would 
now all of a sudden want to curse America still. The whole point that folks, like that Bush got shoes thrown out of his head was because he represented this. So if if we take that out, and it's not just for America, I feel like nuclear disarmament needs to happen for the whole world. Like, we don't need weapons of mass destruction and war and shit. The fact that it was even created is a horrible thing because all of those things could have gone towards nuclear power and something like more constructive, as, as Stephen would say. So like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I want to be an optimist about it. Like, no folks wouldn't want retribution because that would mean this is not America anymore. Yeah. Uh huh. And the optimist in me agrees to the extent. Oh no, like, you're not. <laughs> no, no, no. I this I, this is the part that I'm I'm giving you that I'm agreeing uh-huh. on. When I think about black people in this country and how there's that overriding fear from white America that like we really want retribution and if we could we would like rise up and like mm-hmm. really make them pay for the suffering and whatnot and like most black people I would if I was going to put a number on it I would assume at least 9 out of 10 if not way more like 95-98% of black people it's like nah honestly we would just be cool with like equity and if y'all stop digging us over like I don't have the energy to like rise up and be like fuck why I'm going to destroy you now that you gave us equity like we're going to make you pay now you guys are going to be the slaves and like like we wouldn't do that so I think that lends credence because if I'm going to put myself in the shoes of other people they might just be like look America did fuck us to shit, but like honestly, I just want to go to the store. I got some old bananas. I gotta get something to it's make like, some banana nah, bread. I just don't have to think about drone strikes no more. Thanks, mm-hmm. American people, for getting rid of. So that right. So that's right. possible, but then at the same time, bad blood dies hard. That's fair too. It that's, dies very hard. You know and what I'm saying? That's why you would. Correct those mistakes to the best of your ability, right? So it's like, if we can globally agree on, all right, we're going to provide help for everyone who needs it in every degree, meaning labor, law, war, entertainment, like every area of activity, we're going to provide help. I think that curbs the children up under that what you're saying is like you know old habits but then you got a thing and I'm getting like a little too deep in this but then you got to think about that's always been the pretext in which we've intervened certainly for the national it's pretext but it's it's not real it's it's fake yeah and and that's my point is even if it is real now I'm talking about like real lasting change so I think it's what uh, 57% or 67% of our like national budget goes to towards the mm-hmm. right? If we ever even said, all right, we gonna cut that down by 30. Mm-hmm. And then that 30 that we cut down, we're gonna use 15 for here and 15 to compensate the people around the world who our military intervention has hurt and harmed in a horrible way. The odds of retribution are gonna be a lot fucking lower. Because at, at this point, like, there's nothing in this world that's not touched by, like, white capitalism, like, white imperialism. Like, there's nothing. And then, again, I'm Which, just for anyone listening, that's not even on some racial. That's just factual. That, that is the brand in which imperialism came. There's, yeah. It's white. When I think about it, <laughs> I think there was a TikTok about this, but it was like, Chinese people 
folks in Africa and folks in, in like the Arabian Peninsula had gunpowder like 200 years before white folks. They used it to build like cities right. and shit. Yeah, we talked about and it. And then white folks were like, no, nah, we need guns and weapons of mass destruction mm-hmm. so that yeah. we can enslave half the world. Like, yeah. you know? I'm, I do, I work on a bit about that, about like the Chinese introduced white people to fireworks and shit like that. And white people were like, they looked in the air, they're like, oh, that's beautiful. nice. But point it at him. <laughs> you know, for some reason, that's how like it start. The fireworks go more explosive. <laughs> Bigger yeah, explosion. More gunpowder, right. What yeah. if they explode themselves and also Rick? I fucking hate <laughs> Rick. Rick. And honestly, the dude is stronger than me and he trains, he knows how to fight. <laughs> I think I, I said this in a conversation like two weeks ago about how um, America needs to, if, if we're ever going to have a reckoning about race or whatever, America does need to treat it like how um, folks in, gen, in, in countries that have dealt with genocides have dealt with it. Like there has to be a peace and reconciliation committee and how, how those are structured is like. The people who led the genocide are put in open court, and everybody whose family member was harmed or touched by this gets to read a statement to the dude and tell him, this is what the fuck you took away from me, right? They did one in the Nuremberg trials, uh, like trying the um, the Nazis. Like, it's, it's a thing. And then after that, everybody, cause, okay, Rwanda is a good example. This was in half of a country, entire half of a country going against another entire half. But now, a couple of years later, I think we're like 30 years from the genocide. Mm -hmm. You have some women who are widows because their husbands and whole family was killed. Mm -hmm. Have taken in the men who killed their families Mm -hmm. because they've realized like, it's the same thing. Holding that anger in is like drinking the poison waiting for you to die. Mm-hmm. And also, just like with America, the perpetrators of the violence still live in community with you. Mm-hmm. You still see the nigga at the, sh- the grocery store every day. Mm-hmm. You you see him. Mm-hmm. So after a while, like they interviewed the woman. It, it's a bunch of women, but they interviewed one specifically. And she was like, I just couldn't hold on to it anymore. But I understand anybody else who wants to and who wants revenge. I get it. But I couldn't anymore. And I saw this young boy. He was 16. He had been led astray. And he needed a mom. So, yeah, he killed my son. But she took him in. And she raised him. Pays for his um, high school, college tuition, everything. But this is one example of what was happening across a country. Because... You still gotta live in community with the nigga who did you dirty, mm-hmm. and so Germany had to do that. Um, Kosovo, they had to do that. Here, Rwanda had to do that. Here, I think if America ever needs a like, ever has any sort of reckoning or acknowledgement, it has to be like in open court. Yo, that is the the, the house where y'all did the shit because mm-hmm. they putting the shit on Airbnb, nigga. Yeah. Come on, side. The the reckoning part is so interesting because especially like when you bring up Germany and obviously the Holocaust and everything they did after that mm-hmm. as recompense, 
It's funny that America exports the shit out of our culture and our ideology. Yep. And we really don't like to import any other kind of ideology, <laughs> right? It'll and, make you a European pussy. And yeah, exactly. It'll make you a European sissy. And where it comes full circle is that the Nazis in the Third Reich got ideas for how to oppress Jews directly from America, directly from how they were oppressing black people at the time and then also before that. And and their stories, their stories about how they were in meetings either with Hitler directly or with, you know, his, his direct reports. And they're like, all right, so here's what Americans are doing. And the Nazis literally went, no, they're not. He's like, bro, this is what I heard. This is what they're doing. They're like, yo, that's too far. That's fucked up. It's like, well, this is what they do. All right, we're gonna we're gonna tone that back a little bit because that's too much. These Americans are crazy. They took Jim Crow laws and we're just like, and they replicated mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but the, in in some instances, and I wish I could remember the details. In some instances, they literally diluted them. They were literally like, that's going too far. I mean, we're still gonna do it, but like, these Americans are crazy right that's now. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, so they did that, right? Holocaust happens, reconciliation ensues, and they're handling it. I don't know. I don't know if there's a right way to handle it, but they're at least trying to do something about the atrocity, and we've literally never done that. We, yep. Like we gave them the bad, and they gave us a roadmap to some good, salvaging some good from it, mm-hmm. and we just completely ignore it. But uh, I think Patrice O'Neill said it best. He was talking about the. I think he said the beauty of the Jewish struggle is that like at least in recent history the holocaust is the worst thing to ever happen to those people like bar none but like they had a big bat they had hitler hitler died third right gone but it's like we don't have as a black community in america like we don't have we can't point it like that guy it's like this whole it's like trying to fight like gas you, you know, it's like you see the so you yeah. see the toxic gas coming at you, and you like, can I punch it? And they're like, nah, bro, you can't punch it. Like, can I kick it? It's like, nah. Can I blow it's, it away? It's like, probably not. It's like being haunted by a ghost. You're a victim of something you can't prove, <laughs> and you can't tell nobody. <laughs> you can't tell nobody. And you tell people, and they're like, uh. They make you seem crazy, and the only niggas that believe you are the people that are in the house with you. Yup, like nigga, I saw that shit too. <laughs> I see it yeah. too. I heard the noise when you heard it, nigga. I stayed asleep. I wasn't gonna say anything. I thought I was <laughs> should paranoid. We go, should we leave together, nigga? <laughs> help me, help you. Nigga, I was down the street haunted too, nigga. Uh huh. Man. And you trying to leave? Yeah. Uh, I hate to cut this short. No, we should. But, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I gotta hand it right at genocide. Yeah. Airbnb. <laughs> right, right. It's super light. That's pretty much on brand. Yeah. <laughs> it's on brand. Vegan shitless. Let's get great some of this 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 vegan goat curry stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything y'all want to say to the people before we did? Mm-hmm. Man, rate us, uh, share us, caress, ask for consent. With the subscribe button and follow us. I hate when people say punch you, like hit the subscribe. So you want to caress. Oh, yeah, you want caress. a gentle. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just hit, yeah, roll your mouse over it. Maybe put on some Jodeci before you get Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, damn it. Damn it. It's because we talked about it. Damn it. Yeah, no, hey, look, Shit. look, look, you, you can't act like the music wasn't great. It, it's not that good. It was about 13 year old girls. 
Nah, yeah. the shit. No, and the shit was good until we found out what went inside of it. And it's only so much. Like he's saying. Step in the name of love. Come on now. I'm not saying I still listen to the nigga unless it comes on sometimes, in which case I will indulge in one or two songs. I will do that. You should delete this whole part. I, 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 I'm in control. <laughs> I'm always in control. Nah, because uh, somebody said that too, so I made a playlist um, that's all modern stepping songs. Mm-hmm. Or songs that you could step to if you wanted. Because stepping the name of love was not that damn good. I'm not looking for nobody's validation or respect this shit was unique it's like catching light lightning in the bottle this is great man the vegan chitlin circuit fucking welcome like the revolution has to have humor to it humor to it like catching light lightning in the bottle the vegan chitlin circuit fucking welcome